Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. I'm enjoying summer, and uh, you may have noticed that we took a little hiatus and sort of our normal summer break like we did last year. And uh, we're back, though. We're, we're ready to go. And uh, what do we got on the docket today there, Mr. Jake? So we're continuing our conversation with Kate Dow, and we are going to learn about her move from Santa Barbara to San Diego and then dive into the San Diego freestyle style scene. So let's listen. Yeah. So Kate, so you made the transition from Santa Barbara to San Diego. Uh, and I, I understand that the freestyle Mecca kind of moved from Santa Barbara to San Diego. So can you talk about the freestyle Mecca move and then your move and how those are all interrelated? Sure. I, I was graduating from college and this was in 86. And I was basically looking at where I was going to be moving. And it wasn't really clear that the Mecca was moving to San Diego at that point. It was just where I was going to be going to go to grad school. So um, I moved down there and there was a lot of people that were, you know, showing up down there that were really getting into the sport. Right. So I moved down there with a girlfriend from college and Dave Schiller moved in with us. Um, we had a little place in Cardiff and he was totally like, I think he'd moved out from Texas to there and that was, I believe it was before um, a lot of other people were moving, but it just suddenly was sparking, right? Because like Joey and Chip and all those guys didn't move down there. It was like its own new Mecca, you know? Wow, <laughs> that that's interesting. Yeah, so it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the migration that happened from Venice to Santa Barbara. It was just a whole new expansion. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah. Because like a lot of people from Colorado ended up like Stacy and and uh, Stacy and Rick um, moved Larry there. Larry Imperiali moved Larry. there. There was also kind of a core that was there, like Dave Murphy right. was there. I know there were some folks from Texas. Joel Rogers moved out from Tennessee. It was kind of like all of these people then had prominent games. It, right, and Bethany was there, yeah. and um, Gina. I think Gina moved out. Gina there. was there. Yeah, she. I remember she was just coming into it. Uh, it I, she might have been playing other places, but I remember her as um, more like she was just kind of de developing her game more. We all played out at, at La Jolla mostly. You know, Peter Lobert was there at that time. And yeah, everybody just started committing. And it was like every Friday, that's where you played. And everybody just, the energy was very strong. Everybody was uh, interested in, in upping their level. And again, it became one of those places that once there was the pod that was there, it started drawing people as visitors. So people would make vacations to go because of the jam scene. I remember the La Jolla Cove Friday jams and everybody would jam and then you'd go to Pepe's, the Mexican <laughs> restaurant, and have, you know, chips and drink margaritas and just oh, know, yeah. party. And, and then we would play on the beach, La Jolla Cove, uh, not the Cove, but then on the beach, uh, a little north of the Cove on, on the weekends. So we'd do the sand game there. Yeah. It really, I feel like I was just blessed that everywhere I was moving, it was coming and I could stay in it and keep growing and loving it. Yeah. It was really quite amazing and fun. Yeah. It was a fun time. 
So I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Pepe's. It was Jose's. I don't even remember the name of that place, but I just remember the chips and remember margaritas. The Mexi- yeah, no, it's like <laughs> it was great for you know you know frisbee players who didn't have a lot of money. The endless right. chips and and these pitchers, these huge <laughs> yes, pitchers, and exactly. we would just get like shit faced. Yeah. And yes, and then Peter Lobert and a few other guys lived just up the way. After a while, uh, they had this sh- funky little home that we'd all go to from there. Shez something. Shez. <laughs> what was it called? That I remember that little funky cottage yeah i don't know became a frisbee house i mean that's where a lot of frisbee players lived and stayed and and um, at that point too there was this like merging where ultimate uh ultimate players were open to wanting to learn there was sort of this strange historical thing further back that ultimate players looked at freestylers as being show-offs so there was sort of this negative thing of like even if you want to go learn freestyle, you would be being a show off in some way. And so there was a very stern boundary between, you know, being a, a good ultimate player and a freestyle. There was sort of a lot of judgment there. And um, only, you know, some of us could like kind of go back and forth. Like I could be this sort of like, oh, I'll go play, but I can also jam. And I want to say, at, in San Diego, there was a little more, more of a merge, a merge happening where people could play other disc sports and also want to play freestyle and they, you weren't going to be judged about it. It was very strange. I don't know what that was about, but it was there from the very beginning. I want to say back at the, the World Championships in 1981, you know, freestylers were sort of looked at as the bad boys. The golfers and the disc golf and the, you know, the all the um, field games, those guys sort of looked down at freestylers, you know, and we were sort of like, screw you, you know, we were like, yeah, we are the party or craziers. There was a weird thing, I think, that happened because it was a difficult sport to get good at. And so there was a way that people distanced that by making them, you know, we were just like the partier hippie guys. And I think that changed over time, which is was nice, right? Where you could mix across the board. And in San Diego, I remember there was a lot more camaraderie. I think in San Diego also there was a lot more folks that were interested in the overall that also were freestylers. There's a lot of crossovers. There was a lot of DDC that was going on. There was Balboa Park, and like Rick LeBeau would jam and do stuff. And so there was a lot more crossover of folks being interested in other disciplines. And Yeah, that's true. And and there was the whole um amazing golf disc golf in the in the park, Balboa Park, right? So you're right. There, that was really different than Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara was freestyle only, Palm Park. Not that people maybe didn't do other things, but not there. And the world was very small there. So Kate, what routine did you like putting together and creating? And, you know, like, how did you approach choreography and the music? And, you know, in that creation of a routine, did you have a, a favorite that um, you remember? Well, I think the only ones that really stand out for me, mostly because of my memory, are the one, are the last ones, because a I was coming from a very positive place, but I really enjoyed my routine with Gina. Sure. So Gina and I created like a, a really I, I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but we were trying to do something new, you know, because at that point Stacy and and Caroline had been winning 
and doing their thing for a number of years. And they had their style. And I really wanted to just maintain my own style. And so Gina and I came up with a of amazingly fun routine to this awesome music. And I don't remember exactly. I mean, for me, I guess music was always a, a beautiful piece of that about how to, how do you create those parts? But again, for me, it just felt part of um, like trusting and listening to the flow of it. it I, I don't, I, I don't, it's like, it's like I'm super right brained. Right. So I don't sit there and go, okay, let's do these moves this way. So we have difficulty points and then we'll figure out the music piece. It's more like, what do we feel like doing? The music sounds interesting here. Let's try this. It's, it's just the way I am. So we were able to work together because I think Gina is a little more left brain. So together we were able to come up with a pretty cool balance. And, um, and we also just, kicked ass. I mean, we had such a blast and we kicked ass. And then Dave and I, you know, it was like the end of our relationship at that point, but we had created a beautiful routine to this Zeppelin song. And it by far was my most favorite thing. And again, I don't remember exactly what we did, but we had really beautiful flow and, and difficulty along with just doing some cool new co-op combo type things. And um, I enjoyed it. I just really loved them the best. I love that you and Gina created a whole brain. I liked that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we were a great balance. We really were. And I, I wish I wish at that point that I was I stayed playing, but I didn't. I ended up moving to go finish my doctorate up in Reno and I was totally landlocked and there was no players. And it just started a whole my whole world was going a different direction. Yeah. And that actually was going to be another question I wanted to ask. So like, when did you stop and why did you stop? And do you ever play anymore? And how did that, how did that transpire? So I, I moved up to Reno cause I had a job that was offered to me by my uh, dissertation chair and I could actually make some money and also finish my dissertation cause he'd moved up there. And that was a big move. It was my first time living away from the ocean. I mean, I grew up in LA. I lived in Santa Barbara, San Diego. And I was like, wow, what's this going to be like? And I really had to dig in for the few years that I lived there to finish my dissertation. It, I was sort of at a time limit where my school was like, you've changed your topic, you, you know, you've done this and that, and now you're like on the wire. So I like literally just had to work and, and do my do my dissertation to complete. And, um, so I really didn't, there weren't jammers. I, I, I didn't, I don't think I went to any tournaments. I think I just really had to like dig in and I missed it. I, li I literally remember just feeling like I'm leaving everything I know in San Diego, all my family, all my lifestyle, all my friends, and just like, Oh my God, it was really a big step for me. Wow. Wow. And did you just kind of go cold turkey? Like, did you have a disc laying around at all and do a body roll here or there? I, or? I probably did on my own a little bit, but uh, it shortly died out because, you know, you just you don't have somebody to play with. It's really hard. And then when I completed and moved back to San Diego just for a little bit, I was only back there for about six months. I was really involved in in other things and I maybe played a little bit when people would meet up out at um, 
uh, Mission Bay, but I wasn't as dedicated at that point. I was really at a life change where I needed to figure out what I was going to do for a living and like get it going. And I finally um, had followed this intuition to come to Santa Fe. My life just drastic, drastically changed. I met the man who became my husband, and that was um, a very difficult time. And we ended up having kids um, a few years later, and that just took over my life. And there was a number of things that were very difficult that I, I just... I couldn't go just, Hey, let me go to a tournament. <laughs> like it just was not possible. Right, <laughs> and I remember right. Bethany would always be like, come visit me and Rodney. And I'm like, I can't even get out of Santa Fe. <laughs> right, and, right. Um, it was sad. It was really sad. And then when I really did want to try and meet back up with things, uh, cause I was in touch with Ann Graves, another great player from San Diego she was like, come to Arizona. We're, we're all here and you're going to come visit your family. Just come, come visit. And I was like, I, I, I had this, it was this struggle because I was like, I'm going to come and I'm going to want to play. And I haven't played in years. And I've just had two babies and I've been in this horrendous relationship. Like I'm not in any shape to do this, but I was so drawn, but so like scared too. And I had reason because I went out and I ended up jamming and I totally blew out my left knee. Oh no. And, wow. Um, you know, I had no business playing. Like if I could have just gone and said, Oh, I'm going to just play mellow. But like, I have this thing where my brain shuts off. Right. So I want to start spinning and doing this and that. And my body was like, no, nope, no. Nope. So I injured myself and I was like, okay, you cannot play again, girl, till you're in a different place. So I basically, um, have let it go. I dream about it. Um, I'll dream about being in certain places with people and playing. And uh, I just went through knee surgery this last fall because my knees basically were starting to really go. So I'd torn uh, meniscus and stuff last year. And the doctor went in and he's like, I'm really sorry. He told my daughter, he goes out to, to my daughter after the surgery and he goes, your mom has Kmart knees. She's going to need <laughs> Kmart knees. Kmart knees. I'm sorry to say, but she's going to need full knee replacement in the next 10 years. It was like so scary because you kind of can't play freestyle if you don't have knees. So for me, it's like I, I want to play, but I'm scared. And so I've really been working on getting my knees stronger, but I still have Kmart knees. So I don't know. I don't know if I could trust myself to go play and not want to start shredding, even yeah. though I haven't been playing for right. a long time. So that desire is still there. Just the actually being able to do it in the level you want doesn't match what your body can let you do at this moment. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So um, Connie Bond is back playing. Again. Oh, I know. I know. She's playing. She's living in Florida. There's a little pocket there. Actually, Larry Imperiali lives in I Jacksonville know. Beach, as does Connie Bond and Paul Kenny. And, and Joey so, now. Joey and, and, well, Joey's in, in Florida. further south, exactly. but I forget which city. Yeah. the whole so, new, but, It's a whole new Mecca. Right. The more things <laughs> change, the more they stay the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been in touch with Connie. We we usually talk like at least once a year. And I know she she was also dealing with, you know, raising her daughter on her own and rough relationship stuff. So we kind of were, you know, in the same situation. But um, 
I'm really glad. I know she was really excited to meet back up and be playing more down there because she's always continued to play. You know, that was like, even if it was by herself out on the beach. It's interesting. She used to come to the Jammers tournament, but she would never play. I would try to get her to come out and play. And she's <gasps> like, no, no, I'm out of shape. No, I don't want to do that. But in the last two years, she's really re-sparked uh, her interest in playing. And so now she's playing with Larry all the time. And I got to jam with her at Jammers this year. It's really, she's so good. It's still, to this day, she's so good. It's just amazing. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. She's got a great wind game. And so being on the beach, that's where as you as you get older and your body starts to not be able to do the things like, you know, roots or flaming guidance pullouts and stuff. That's where the wind can be your friend, you know, yeah. and you can just yeah. like, ah, yes, I'll just brush it out there and let the breeze and the ocean do its thing. Yeah. <laughs> just let the, yeah, right. The breeze just carries it back to you and you don't have to move that much. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have very, um, very unpredictable wind here in New Mexico. So, I mean, if we, if we had had a better wind, I probably would have done that. I would have continued doing an air game or something, but we just don't have that, the good light, you know, wind for that. So Kate, do you stay connected at all with uh, the current freestyle competitive scene? Do you watch any videos or do you know what's going on? No, No, I, I actually haven't. Um, I occasionally would, get kind of added to a group to kind of know what was happening around something. I, I know that I heard about all the stuff going on in Rome and hearing about the kind of resurgence was happening in, in Europe, um, which was intriguing to me. And um, just in the last few years um, I've just been in touch more uh, personally, like with Joey connecting and talking about our paths of what we've, been doing and where we are now. And and that's been really sweet. And then Tom Leitner um, showed up as like a, a fan for me around a book I wrote a year ago. And so uh, he's been really, uh, he was really supportive around that. And then I reached out to Z and Dreamer, uh, I mean, Dreamer uh, uh, and, or, you know, he goes by Z, Z and Pearlberg to help me um, to kind of promote promote my launch that was for my ebook back in December. So that was kind of fun to reach out. Just kind of, oh, I think I connected with with Gus too online. And and then Brian, Brian Roberts recently reached out. So that's been kind of wild, really, to just even at that level personally to be connected with people um professionally and like knowing what's happening as a competitive sport now i haven't i haven't been following i literally have my daughter moving in four weeks and i'm going to be an empty nester like this is 20 years commitment guys wow i have been a single parent of two kids she's leaving to college to go up to fort collins where i saw bill and that was neat bill Bill and holly so like i feel like i'm coming back to life where i'm going to actually have some space time to like be a part of things. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think about that, like maybe, yeah, I could go visit in Florida and just airbrush and say, that's it. Only airbrush. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about the direction of your life now and your business? And I know that many people know you as Dr. Kate. So is there anything you want to share with our audience about what you're doing now? And sure. So, so I've been in the counseling field for 30 years and Um, since being in Santa Fe, uh, when my son was born, I started my private practice prior to that. I'd always worked in different agencies and psych hospitals and different things. And, um, so having my private practice gave me a lot of ability to develop 
how I want to be working and bringing in a lot more of the mind body psychology that's always been um, part of me and and then more and more of the spiritual uh, aspect of looking at well-being as a whole you know construct and <clears throat> so when um, I knew my kids are starting to flee the nest soon uh, my fantasy for like 15 years has been to go into a different direction and really be able to do a different way of of serving people and a part of that was creating retreats which I love to do I've been able to do a few of them but do more retreats live retreats but then uh, writing the book last year which was phenomenal um, that's getting published right now it's it I ended up writing it about the way that I have healed and grown through my own journey and then how I've served other people by showing and sharing that knowledge. And so I did it specific around anxiety because that's something that kind of in a general form describes a lot of what I've struggled with through my life of just being, you know, kind of insecure and, and, and comparing and worried and um, how that got really bad at different points in my life and what I did to actually come through that um, in my own personal work, uh, sort of psychologically, spiritually um, healing through that. So uh, when I wrote the book, I ended up getting involved in looking at how to get more online and reach people in a wider audience. And so I'm really developing an online presence now, and I'm calling myself Dr. Kate. And um, and my work is called Self Mastery for Empowerment and Success. And I focus just on women right now because I feel like women need, as a humanity, I think it's an important part of us as women to step into that next level of empowering and taking back who we are and really reconnecting with what the real feminine uh, power is so that we can help, you know, as a, as a whole really heal the patriarchal wound that we all have men and women. Um, so I'm doing that in different forms and uh, my book's going to come out at the end uh, or the beginning of next year. And I'm doing uh, some different kind of mentoring processes to be there for people. And I'm in the middle of creating some courses. So I'm, I've decided to move from doing one-to-one therapy to more like teaching and holding space for transformation in the live events. You're kind of, you're jamming in a whole nother space. That's right. I am. So, Kate, can you tell us a, a favorite Frisbee story from, from the day? Sure. This was way back before – it had to have been uh, before the Rose Bowl, I think. Um, and we were all in Richie Bartle's van driving down to a tournament in Austin, Texas, from, from Venice. And it was hot as hell in the van. There was, like, no air conditioning it was a hot summer day driving to Texas and we were all starting to fantasize about, wouldn't it be great if we could find a pool? And suddenly on the side of the road, there was a pool. It was so bizarre. There was nobody at the pool and we had to climb over the fence to get in it. And we all like jumped over the fence, jumped in the pool, had a great time. 
and never found that pool again. Like on our drive back, we could not find that pool. It was a mirage, (laughs) a real mirage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, but that was back in the day I was in high school. I, yeah, I was in high school. So I would go on these journeys to tournaments and go be with Frisbee players and my friends and go be like I'm 21 and I'm 15 and come back and then go to high school and just be like, really, really? I have to be at high school with these other 15-year-olds? And like, it was really, really bizarre course there was many road trips with connie and i in the van and uh breaking down multiple times i had a vw van we broke down all the time and i guess i was thinking about this tournament up in fort collins because i was staying with bill and holly a few weeks ago and i remember this is when crazy john chip and joey were like on fire and it was their you know it was like their tournament to just shred and do great at Scott Starr was there, the photographer, awesome photographer. And um, so I guess there must have been a large Santa Barbara contingent at that point. It was beautiful. The music was amazing. Everybody was playing and having fun. And I decided to cut my hair from being long to like punk. Like I cut my own hair. And then I cut Chip's hair punk. So then we were both like bald little babies and we had this picture of Star taking a fisheye of us like looking up, you know, and it was the spirit of freestyle. It was the family and the love and the fun and the freedom to do anything and to express yourself. And this sense of security you had that no matter what, what tournament you went to, you had family and you could show up anywhere and be connected. And that was an incredible gift and an, and an enormous uh, joy for me at that point in my life. And you know what's incredible, Kate, is that it's still there. That's so wonderful to hear. And I can't wait to jump back into it and be connected in some way. This is it. I'm being this connected. This is it. Yeah, this is your doorway. Totally. <laughs> totally. So, Kate, what's your favorite kitchen utensil? I think I think the whisk. Oh, the whisk. Okay. Welcome yeah. to Team Whisk. Yeah. <laughs> And what is it about the whisk? I don't know. It's so cool. And I love how, you know, I usually use it just to froth milk for my coffee. So it's like, it's like, you know, you get skilled at it and you can do it pretty fast. And it's just very unique. It's not like any other utensil. It's not like I use it all the time, but I like it. I like it. I think the thing is that you don't use it all the time. So it makes it like when you use it, like it's like, you know, Jake, a fork. I mean, I use a fork every day, like. Come on, dude. What is it like a spatula, a whisk, you know? It's more in it. How about a strawberry right, topper? How about a strawberry topper? That's a good kitchen utensil. Strawberry topper? Take the I don't top even know out of the strawberry. Oh, I didn't oh, even man. know there was such a thing. Oh, my God. We <laughs> have one. It's great. Yeah. Then you don't have to cut the top off. You just grab the top out. Boom. And you eat the strawberry. It makes it so easy. Well, but well, I, use, I call my strawberry topper my fingers. I can pull the top <laughs> off. I don't need a utensil for it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what there's a utensil for taking that out of there well no, there is yeah. learn something new there's every something day. for everything uh, so. so kate what's your favorite trick favorite freestyle trick you know when i 
recently somehow I was showing somebody, I think it's, there's like a video on YouTube right now out of me jamming at Santa at the Palm park. And I have like a total funky mullet and I'm wearing like these full glasses with like side leather things. And the, the trick I did a lot or the move I did a lot was everything around the flamingo fl- flamingitis is that it like oh, where you yeah. just kind of go under that leg or you come across that leg and pull i was really into the stuff around that move uh, whether i was tapping or brushing or moving the disc under that that was fun i like that move do you have any uh advice for new women players who are just starting out well if you have the drive and you have the love, then let yourself do it and don't judge yourself. Or great advice. That's a bumper sticker waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's a bumper sticker for sure. <laughs> well, but it's so true. I mean, that's that's usually when I have the most struggle is when I'm judging myself, when I'm thinking about us like this isn't hard enough or I don't look pretty enough or whatever. Like the talking guy gets going in my head and as soon as that happens, it's really hard to keep playing. It's just hard to it's hard to have fun. So I think that's the number one key to enjoying this is to let that go and just enjoy it and not compare i mean i think you know if if we just know our game is our game and you know just like our lives if you compare you're just setting yourself up to be unhappy versus like i'm gonna be me the best i can be me and that's enough yeah that is certainly great advice kate i think that's something that everybody can use and like you say not just with frisbee but in everyday life and i just want to say thank you kate for joining us on the podcast and giving us your time i also want to give a shout out to uh your book the book that you mentioned uh that is now available called fearless and the title is the art of using anxiety to your advantage so it's fearless the art of using anxiety to your advantage and you can get more information about her book at katedow.com and you can also find out uh, more about what she is now doing and what she's involved in so it's some pretty cool stuff so again thank you kate and go check out katedow.com yeah definitely thank you kate it was great having that conversation with you and uh, with that I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time, Jake. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Hope to Hainesville. Shooting the Frisbees and live streaming freestyle Frisbee.